last week we started our first series of the year called Greater. Greater. And it's the vision that God has given me for this house this year. Greater. Greater relationship is what we talked about last week. And today I want to talk to you about greater faith. Greater faith. I grew up in the church. I'm 35 years old today. I grew up in the church. I've gone through all of my life in the church, church building and in the church context. And so I know a lot about church, but it wasn't until I was 19 years old that in a situation of my life that I came to know Jesus. Many of us are churched. Many of us know how churches work. Many of us know how to sit in a church for an hour or two, how to take communion, how to make sure we don't act up in the church building. Many of us know how to regard the pastor or the elders or the leadership of the church. Many of us sat in on Sunday school. But do you know Jesus? It's a big difference. I learned as an adult that when people would tell me like, hey, no, 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 I'm Catholic. I'm not Christian. I would argue with them. I would say, wait, listen, do you believe in Jesus? Well, yeah, of course I believe in Jesus. I'm a Catholic. So that means you're Christian. And then my mother in her wisdom taught me when someone says that they are not Christian, you believe them. So today I want to talk to you about greater faith. I don't know how your week has been going but my encouragement, my exhortation to you last week. Did you do that this week? Did you make some time for the Lord? Did you go to his word? Did you spend time in prayer? Were you doubled over, knees down, face to the ground praying? It's something that I want us as a church to learn to do to make the space, to set aside all shame even, right? And just get on our knees. I remember growing up in the Pentecostal context and seeing these older church mothers, and you knew that they had bad knees, but they made sure that when they walked into the building, they were on their knees praying. And that taught the coming generation of women and men and young men and young women to do the same. So there's some days that even myself, right, in my own, remember my own relationship with Jesus, that I'm just like, I just need to be on my knees to say thank you. Not to ask you for anything, but just to let you know that you are my king and you are my savior. Today, will you turn with me to Mark chapter 5? I'm going to spend all of my time in Mark chapter 5. I'm not going to jump around or make probably any or many references to anything outside of Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read a lot. I'm going to read a lot because just this past week, our elder and treasurer, Chris, reminded me about the importance of giving testimony to what God has done in our lives. And one of his recommendations in his great wisdom was that we as a church should spend time to give testimony so that people see what God is actively doing in their lives. And then God gave me this word. And so today I want you to be encouraged by actual facts about things that were happening during the time of Jesus Christ on earth. 
And may these testimonies speak life into you while I read them and while I break it down. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43, and it reads like this. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, and try to picture this, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live and he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched you? I'm so sorry, I lost my place. And yet you say, I'm sorry, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. In verse 33, it says, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. In this portion of Mark 5, we witness two great examples of Jesus's power in the flesh as God. The ability to go to two different people 
on one occasion and provide them what their hearts were believing. Do you have faith? Faith is trusting that God can be present and God can be active and be involved in things that you find in your flesh and humanity to be impossible. We need little faith to tend to the things that we in our own strength can tend to. Faith is required for the things that are beyond our control, like so many things. Scripture says that we can't even control the gray hairs on our head. We can't control the color of our eyes, the color of our hair, how long we will live or not. This is the story of two believers witnessing and being part of and begging for the ministry of Jesus in their lives. Since the beginning of time, though, there's been two types of people. There's been those who believe God, and of course, those who don't believe God. With Jesus, it was no different while he was on earth for 33 years, and particularly during his ministry. There were those who hated and detested Jesus, and as we studied in Matthew chapter 10, they even referred to him as Satan, Belzebub or Belzebul, Satan. And of course, there were those who remained faithful, those who longed to see Jesus, to touch him, to be with him, to fellowship with him. They were those who believed. When Jesus returns from his trip across the seas, he had just delivered a man from demons, from legions of demons within one person. And he's coming back across the sea. And what awaits him? A crowd. He was met with a wave of disciples that were waiting for his return. When you have your moments with Jesus, do you ever just long to see his face? And I'm not talking about passing away. I'm talking about you thinking and picturing his glory. How am I going to feel when I see my Savior's face? They longed to see Jesus crossing this river. And the thing is, remember, there was no news back then. They weren't telling the people that Jesus was coming back from the other side, which meant that they could probably have been waiting days. But that is how thirsty humanity was for its Savior. Think about this. Lord, I don't know. And right, and maybe we find ourselves in that same type of tension today. Jesus, I don't know when you'll return, but I'm ready and waiting, ready and waiting. Are you ready and waiting today? Are you one of those who believes or doesn't believe? How are you believing today? Today, we're talking about having greater faith and expansion in 2022 of your faith. We have two stories of faith here. There is Jairus, who we read about in verse 22. We see as the one who initiates Jesus' movement on this side of the sea where all this crowd is gathered, right? Jairus is the one who approaches Jesus. He comes to Jesus in verse 22, and it says what? What did he do when he approaches Jesus? It says that he fell.
fell to his feet, Jesus's feet. A quick note, look at how these people who saw Jesus demonstrated their grief before the Savior. Do you have grief today? How do you demonstrate honor and glory and power even in the midst of grief in front of the Savior? This is a dad who's losing his 12-year-old daughter. I have daughters. And I invite you to spend a moment in your grief. We've all lost. We've all felt, felt mourning, feelings of loss. And maybe that's you today even. Can we put ourselves into Jairus's heart? He doubles over in supplication. In verse 23, it says, and implored him earnestly. This is Jairus. Jairus implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. But wait, don't miss what's key here. We all like Jairus need and have needed for Jesus to provide us a miracle. Who needs a miracle today? I know many people who like to make sure that other people don't know about their ailments, things that you have been going through in your body, things that you're going through that you're like, hey, I don't want to bother anyone with what I'm going through, so I'm just going to go ahead and keep it in, but you know it's something that you are bringing to God often for a miracle believing that God is able to do in that space of impossibility to man and come through with your miracle. But the lesson we should take from Jairus isn't that he is asking for something because we all ask for something, right? The lesson we take from Jairus is how he is asking. Faith is a posture of humility, family. We need humility when we approach God. Some of you have heard me teach that there is a broken, not to say that it's completely off, but there's this broken teaching of declaration and decreeing where we tell God what he is going to do. The only way that works to declare is if in our hearts we carry humility because we do, by Scripture, carry authority. Friend, you as a believer and child of God carry authority. Words that come out of your mouth carry authority, but only if there is humility in your heart. When you regard the Father and the Provider, Jehovah Jireh, as King, but many of us, even though we call ourselves believers, regard God as the servant, and we, through our declaring and pride, prideful declaring and decreeing, declare ourselves the masters. False. What we learn from Jairus and from this healed woman is the posture of humility. Real faith and great faith requires great humility. How are you asking today? That thing that's been nudging at your heart, that thing that you are begging God for, Lord, meet me here for my healing. Meet me here for my restoration. How are you asking God for this? 
Jairus was an influential officer. Make note of this. Jairus, it says, was an influential officer of the synagogue. For those of you who have been with me in the book of Matthew, we've been talking a lot about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, right? This is a religious man. It said he was a ruler of the synagogue. And here he is pushing. Try to picture this. He's pushing through the crowds because he finds an urgency to get to Jesus, the provider for his miracle. Don't forget, he's a religious man. He was among those who looked at Jesus and said, you're Satan. You are a heretic. But this is a man who knew that Jesus was the only one who could provide for his daughter the life that she was losing. Earnestly, the word that we see here in these first verses, earnestly. conviction. When we believe God for something, we should believe it earnestly with sincere and intense conviction, and we should come to God in that trusting humility that I was saying before. Though Jairus would be counted among those who would usually point and hate Jesus for the revolution, right? Because Jesus in ministry was a revolution to the world, and it was certainly a revolution to religion. He could have been one of those who instead went through the crowds to accuse him, but he was the one who went through the crowds to ask for him and plead to him. He knew to believe that Jesus could. While Jesus was on his way, though, right? This is the story. While he's on his way to perform this miracle for this 12-year-old girl, he feels a touch. A friend of mine wrote a song that I'm going to roughly translate. It's like, if, if I could only touch the garment, I know I would receive my healing. Every time I hear this song, and it's in Spanish, if anybody wants it, I can definitely share it. But can you imagine that Jesus would walk with so much power that a touch of his garment would heal you. No, no, am I the only one? I see your faces. Am I the only one to carry that type of power? Verse 30 says, and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? See, there was a woman. She was an anonymous woman. She was a quote, unquote, nobody who didn't have the influence on the crowd that this religious ruler would have had. Think about that, right? A religious ruler among Jews would have had the influence to get them out of the way. And remember that it says that he came with people. So they would have helped him open up this path to get him to be in front of Jesus, to then double over and ask for what he needed to ask of him. But while Jesus is moving through this crowd, he feels a touch. This, I want you to stop for a, a moment, because a lot of us don't bring things to God, not just because we don't believe, but because we see ourselves as not worthy of his touch of his 
attention. Your spiritual self-esteem is low. I'm not worthy. So here is a different type of woman. We have Jairus who walks in power and authority. And then we also have this anonymous woman who was timid and ashamed, but pushed through just enough so that she could reach out and grab his garment. I admire that she had the willingness to push through and touch his garment to get what she believed she could get even from touching his clothing. But I love what Jesus's response was because in this crowd of people, he knew and felt the nobody. Many of us have maybe felt like in the grand scheme of the world and all of the things that God has to do, there's no way that he would focus on the issues that I'm going through. Remember this story when you feel like that, that in a crowd of things that he has to do and people he has to save and those that he says, that scripture says that he was healing, right? Every disease, every affliction in the midst of all of this, there was a touch. So when you touch the garment of Jesus, friends, he knows he knows. And it's the, the disciples who were like, wow. I mean, there's so many people here who would, even they, after seeing all of the miracles that Jesus had done for people, there was that room for human doubt. Jesus, how would you know who touched you? But he recognized who that anonymous woman or that nobody, right? And I, I put it in quotations because she wasn't a nobody. She was special and outstanding to Jesus. It says that this woman had suffered for 12 years with a discharge of blood that no physician had been able to help her with. Maybe that's your story. You're seeing doctor after doctor after doctor, and there's no resolution to your issue. It says that this woman was also broke. She spent all of her money trying to figure out what was wrong with her, but what she needed was a God of the impossible to touch and believe in. Each of these people, we have two believers here. Jairus, the bold man of influence, humbled before the king. The healed woman who seemed more timid and less bold, but look at what she says in verse 28. She says, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. If you have your Bible open, would you underline, I will. I will be made well. What does that tell? What does that I will tell us? That I will tells us that she had great faith. If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. If you're asking God for something right now, will you just raise your hand with me? Raise your hand with me for whatever you're asking God for, particularly if it's healing and restoration and renovation. I will be made well. Will you declare that over your life today in humility? I will be made well. If you only touch his garment, friends, I will be made well. In verse 34, Jesus says, and he said to her in response, daughter, your faith 
has made you well. You see how I have to do little preaching here. Do you understand this? Jesus says to her, not your effort has made you well, not your presence has made you well, your faith has made you well. It wasn't the good things that she's done in her life. It wasn't the people she helped cross the street or how many people she helped out or lent money to. It's your faith has made you well. Then he says, go in peace and be healed of your disease. You know what we find in faith? We find peace. Not only do we find provision, but we find assurance. Because the God of the impossible, if he's spoken into your situation, then it's already done. Doctors can give us diagnostics. They can say, hey, you know, we think that in a few months or in a few weeks, in a couple days, you will be well. But the difference between a physician and the physician of physicians is that his word will come true. This is a promise. This isn't just something that he's seen happen a few times. This is a promise. Daughter, your faith has made you well. And don't forget that daughter. This is referencing last week, relationship. He doesn't say anonymous woman. Your faith has made you well. He says daughter, which meant that she was a believer. If God referenced you today, and look at me, if God referenced you right now, would he say daughter? Would he say son? And then he says, go in peace and be healed of your disease. While Jesus was speaking to this healed woman, someone says in the distance, someone says, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Somebody that came from the religious leader's house. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? This is significant because the person speaking regarding Jesus regards Jesus, excuse me, as the teacher right at the end of that verse. Why trouble the teacher any further. This shows us that being a believer in, in Jesus doesn't always mean there is faith. For the person yelling doubt into the ears of Jairus to refer to Jesus also as teacher would mean that he believed that he was a rabbi, would, would mean that he believed that he was a teacher, correct? So this is just a reference to somebody else in this crowd of believers who doubted the power of Jesus. This person is looking to discourage Jairus from taking Jesus to heal his daughter. Otherwise, why would he say that, right? We have people in the church even today, and by church, I mean the kingdom of God alive and well with beating hearts on earth right now who call themselves believers, but doubt the power that God can produce in the impossible. And those people, they put doubt in you sometimes. They put doubt in me sometimes. Jesus' reply once again was filled with power, though. Jesus replies what? This is a big one. This is your take home for today and every day this week, particularly to your own, for your own situation. He says, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear only 
believe. Look at me again. Do not fear, only believe. Your situation has scared you. Your illness, because I know some of you have decided not to share with me that you're struggling with an illness, but I work for the Lord Almighty. You, and I'm looking, I know who I'm looking at right now, and please listen to me with your heart. Do not fear, only believe. There is no space for fear in faith. Do not fear, only believe. Your own illness or circumstance may seem that it has no end. Perhaps things in your life, things you love, people you love, seem dead and need revival. Things that you've lost that need to be resurrected. But which believer do you choose to be today? Are you the believer that through the crowd says, it's not worth it anymore? He this is on the other side now. God cannot restore this. Or are you the one who says, I know that you are able. I know that you are able. Which of these two believers are you? Are you the healed woman or Jairus? Or are you the voice in the crowd who anonymously yells out to discourage? Are you the type of believer who will testify and trust in the power of God? Or will you be the one who places doubt not only on yourself, but into others around you? Some people have infiltrated the church only to damage it from within. Once again, the book of Jude. Wolves among sheep who refer to themselves as believers, but are there to discourage, to take the air out of your tires. You want to surround yourselves with believers who can believe for the impossible. You want to surround yourself with people who know that although my eyes have not seen resurrection, Jesus, you can. Although my doctors have said that there is no resolution to this, you can. Although I feel like my marriage is falling apart because of errors made, you are able to revive this. Father, I'm broke. I don't know where I'm going to take my next payment for my house, but you are the God of the impossible. Will you discourage yourself or will you believe? Can we have great faith in 2022? Great faith that will move mountains and knock down walls. See, I've never seen a mountain move. I've never seen a mountain move in the physical. And I've heard people tell me like, no, it's just kind of like, he's just, it's just contextual. He's just relating it to like, if he, if your faith could make mountains move, it's just a way to give you some, no, no, listen. If God told me in his word that he is able, through my faith, make mountains move, friends, he can do it. I'm, I have the type of faith, and, and forgive me for referencing myself, I do this in humility just as an example to you. I've shared with you that there are many of those who look at this book and say that it is an outdated book of recommendations. There's no way that this applies to life today because it was written so long ago. That's always people who don't read this book. 
Today, I read to you all of these verses, and you tell me if you didn't see yourself in at least one of these two people. Oh, but this is a book from 2,000 years ago. This doesn't make sense to my life today. I challenge you to challenge God by having great faith and see what he can do for you. If you've been around us and our family, and some of you have, you've seen God move in a mighty, mighty way. You know what I ask God for? You've put something in me. You've put something in our family. You've put something in our church when we were still in Hempstead. But we need to see you move. We're in such a weird space, in a weird place. We're having service in the afternoons. But this is my great faith for 2021, Lord. You are going to bring us to a church. You are going to bring us to a church building, and it's going to be a church that is in need of a pastor, and it's already going to have a congregation, and there's going to be no bills at the church, no mortgage. Lord, because we can't carry it. We're a church plant. We don't have the finances, so I need you to give me the impossible. Come on, One Life. You already know the story, and here we are. The year didn't even finish halfway through the year God brought us to one life and on May 9th of 2021 I preached one sermon right behind me right here and when I was up there maybe some of you can remember this God showed me and moved me and I mentioned this prophetically I know this is weird for me to mention but if I wasn't planting a church this is a place where I would bring my family And I might post that again later in case some of you doubt me. That was months before Scott would call me and we would start this conversation and prayer. And before the year ended, our great faith in prayer provided this. And today I get to sit and fellowship and commune with you and be your pastor and be your friend and walk with you in this beautiful, beautiful path. Friends, great faith works. Don't see yourself as beaten down and invalid, unworthy, because just like this woman, if you'll believe, if you'll believe, if you will believe, he'll feel it. Do not fear, only believe. Let's have greater faith in 2022. Wow. 2022, not 2020. But 2022. (laughs) Let's seek and believe God for more this year. Let's believe Him for growth. Let's pray for growth. Let's believe for peace. We need it. Let's believe for our marriages. We need restoration of marriages at One Life and in all the kingdom of God. Let's believe for our children. We need our children to to be cemented in the word of God. Let's believe him for our unity. We've been together for almost six months now, and some of you still don't know one another's name. Can we believe that God will bring this extravagant unity to us? And the next time we're in the church building, I'm going to challenge you. Will you get to know somebody that you haven't met yet? Let's believe God for our church in 2022. Let's have faith 
greater faith for God, towards God for our church in this year. And whatever that means, whatever that means, I'd love to see that our church building is packed for service after service on a Sunday. But honestly, I am more interested in leading and pastoring and being part and brother with a church that has great faith. If we're a church, even small in numbers, that has great faith, there's no choice but for these tents to burst at the seams. Where the power of God is, there will always be someone curious, just like when Jesus came back from over the seas. If the power of God is moving in this house with a faithful few friends, with a remnant of the faithful, we won't be able to hold people from coming into the house. So instead of worrying about how we can get great numbers, let's worry about loving Jesus better. And let's worry about having greater faith in him and his kingship. Let's pray. Mm -hmm.